When I first opened up the readings for this Sunday and was reading through them, the line that first jumped out at me was that concluding line from the first reading today from the Book of Wisdom. By the envy of the devil, death entered the world. And envy is one of those words, one of those phrases that very often I think we misunderstand it and we sort of equate it with jealousy. We think like we kind of interchange those two words, but they're actually quite different. Jealousy can even kind of be complimentary. For example, Irwin here I know has a really nice coffee maker. I've heard him talk about it. I've had some of the coffee from it before. I know it is delicious and quite frankly, I'd like to have one myself. I'm a little bit jealous because my coffee maker is not as nice as Irwin's. It would be nice to get one at some point. Don't go get it for me. I'm just using this as an example. I actually have plenty of coffee. I even have instant coffee. Just go with it. So I'm jealous of the coffee maker, but I can go get one. I can ask for it for Christmas. It can come. The jealousy sort of dissipates. And in some way, it's almost complimentary towards Irwin because of his great tastes in coffee. Now, envy, on the other hand, is different. There's a reason why it's the second of the deadly sins, and we don't say jealousy, we say envy. Because envy has to do with the attack on the goodness of the other person. So, instead of saying, man, I really like Irwin's coffee maker, I say, I'm going to destroy that Irwin. You know, I'm going to break in there and I'm going to put... I don't know. What, what do you put in a coffee maker to make it break? Sugar in with the coffee, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hit it with a hammer. I don't know. Like, or I'm going to you know, do something to Irwin to take him down. Like, I'm not happy as long as he's enjoying the coffee. I'm going to steal all of his mugs. How about that? Okay. So envy has to do with seeing the good of the other and wanting to destroy it. As opposed to jealousy, seeing something good that you really want to have. Obviously, it can go in a sinful direction, but you see the difference in the two. By the envy of the devil, death entered the world. And we see it right from the very beginning. Think back to Genesis 3 and our first parents in the garden. There they are, in communion with God. They've been created in his image and likeness. He walks in the garden in the cool of the evening. They're with him. They're in communion. Enter the devil, right? Remember what he says to Eve, our first mother. Did God really say that you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? And think about that. Right from the beginning, he's going in there with his envy, sowing those seeds of doubt, trying to break down that relationship, that communion between our first parents and God himself. And obviously, he succeeds. By the envy of the devil, death entered the world. Now, the opposite of envy is another word that I think very often gets misused. It's pity. So envy sees the good of another and wants to tear it down. Pity sees someone else suffering, the sadness, the brokenness, the difficulties of another, and wants to lift it up, wants to make it better, wants to, in the words of the introduction to Quantum Leap, set right what once went wrong, right? To enter in there and to make it better. Look at our Lord in the gospel. And I would recommend later on today, go home and go back to where we started in the gospel last Sunday. It was Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And you remember, it's right after those parables, Jesus and the disciples get into the boat and they're crossing over to the other side. Now, we skipped some things after last week's gospel to this Sunday because that gospel ended at the end of chapter 4 
And then today we pick up at chapter 5, verse 21. And notice this, it said, when Jesus had crossed again in the boat. So those first 20 verses of chapter 5 are where they went in the first place. They went across the Sea of Galilee to an area called Gerasene, and it's a famous account, and I'm sorry we don't get it in the gospel today, but I'll just tell you real quick. You have the Gerasene demoniac, a man who's possessed, living amongst the tombs outside of the city, yelling out, cutting himself up. He can't be restrained with chains. He tears them up. And Jesus goes there and exercises him, right? He drives out legion because there are many. And you remember, it's a very graphic story. The devils ask not to be sent out of the region, but into the swine. And he sends them into the swine and they run off the cliff and they're drowned. And then the man is sitting there dressed in his right mind. And when the people from the town see that, they ask Jesus to leave. They're afraid. It's like all of a sudden what they're used to is different. The devil has been driven out and they're not okay with that. So Jesus tells the man to stay there, proclaim the gospel, and then they cross back to the other side. So he goes from exercising this demon. Today, then he comes in. The woman with hemorrhages approaches him. He heals her. And then, of course, this great, beautiful conclusion of the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, he raises this little girl from the dead. Think about this. The pity of Jesus Christ. He sees us in a fallen world. He sees us in a world that because of the envy of the devil, death and sin and chaos have entered in. And yet, by the love of Jesus Christ, nothing can stop him. The storms on the sea that we heard about last week, what does he do? When everybody's afraid and calling out to him, don't you care that we're going to perish? He stands up and says, peace, be quiet, be still. And the storms are quiet. He turns around and says to them, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And then, of course, then goes over, drives out this demon. It's almost as though he just went across, across the lake to go heal this man and then comes right back. The devil can't stand up to him. He drives him right out. Then you have the woman with the hemorrhages. She's been sick for so long. No medicine, no doctor can help her. She's spent all that she has. Nothing else works except our Lord. And finally, death itself cannot stand up to him. And the incredible thing to me, too, is when you think about that envy and the way that it's entered the world, obviously we experience it all over the place. Look at the way the people are when Jesus goes to heal the young girl. And this is the other line that jumped out at me, and it's why it's on the sign down by the street. And they ridiculed him. You think about that the light of the world entering into the darkness, this power, this personal power, the second person of the Holy Trinity who loves us, who pities us, who's stronger than the storm, than the sickness, than death. What do they do? They ridicule him, but he doesn't mind. He continues on anyway. He's not perturbed or put off by them. In fact, he just tells them, okay, you're not coming in with me. And when you think about that, how easy it is for us to kind of like fall into envy too. I mean, personally, if people are like, ah, you stupid priests, you can't do anything. Part of me wants to be like, oh yeah, watch this. I mean, my goodness, were you here last Sunday at 1030? We were more crowded than Christmas. It was awesome. And when people are like, oh, the faith is dead. It's like, yeah, we'll watch our Facebook videos sometimes. Now, that's me in my fallen sort of like, I'll show you sort of way. Jesus doesn't do that. Look at the fact that all these people are pressing in upon him. 
And he's concerned about one particular woman who had great faith. And notice what he called her? Daughter. And the cool thing is, with Jairus as well, when he comes, he says, my daughter is at the point of death. And the language here, our English, once again, it fails. It's like, my little girl is dying. Please come with me. And then Jesus, to the woman of the hemorrhage, my little girl, your faith has saved you. But then when these people come, they say, your daughter has died. Tell the, basically, tell the philosopher he doesn't need to come. Now, they're, they're so cynical and in the midst of this fallen world and overcome by the envy and the death, and they're going to be the ones to ridicule him too, he just keeps going. He just keeps going in his love for us to the point that he enters in. And Mark records his Aramaic here. Only three times does he do that in the gospel. From the cross, when he says, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani. When he opens the ears of the deaf man and says, Ephetha, and here, Talitha kum. And the beautiful thing here as well, Talitha kum, it's very personal and loving. When I was growing up, my grandma used to call me Johnny Jim. Don't call me Johnny Jim. But it's a very beautiful thing. It's that personal, loving, taking you by the hand. That's what he's doing. When you think about this, yes, by the envy of the devil, death entered the world. We know that it's crazy out there. We have our own personal storms. We talked about it last week. Yes, society is going nuts. The basic foundation, building blocks of society under attack. Marriage, children in the womb, families, all of this stuff. Yes, it's raging around us, but look at the way that Jesus is. He's on a mission. He has that pity. He sees us in our fallen state, and what does he do? He keeps moving forward. Why? Because he's got his little girl to raise up. My brothers and sisters in Christ, he does the same for us. Jesus Christ comes to us in the Eucharist, meets us right here at this rail, comes to find us in the midst of this fallenness. He doesn't mind that, okay, and they ridiculed him. So be it, he keeps going. He shows that love to us, is waiting for us always in the tabernacle to come and to be with him. Why? Because he loves us. And it doesn't matter if it's a storm or the devil or sickness or death itself, he will go through it to get to you. And so the question is, who are we going to imitate? Who are we going to be like? Merely the crowds who are just kind of there sort of pressing on upon him? Even his disciples here. Notice the cynicism. Uh, there's a lot of people, and you're asking who touched you? Okay, he knows about this woman's faith. He feels it. And the same is true for us. He comes to us. He loves us. In his pity, he enters into it all to call you and me out of this realm of death into the hope and the happiness of eternal life. He is present. And so what we must do is to be like that woman, to be like that little girl. Let him take you by the hand. Let him call you by that loving name that you know so well. Johnny Jim, right? It's so loving. It's so good. He knows you. Let him take you by the hand and raise you up. Are there storms? Is there the devil? Is there sickness and death? Yes. But let him say to you, just like he said to the synagogue official, today and every day, do not be afraid. Just have faith. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.